You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. He said, seek those things which are above, not on the things which are upon the earth. That's really good counsel. Our focus needs to be on eternal things and not temporal things. Now, one final thing, and this one thing, at least in part, you know, you need to commend Jacob for his go for it kind of an attitude, right? He didn't shrink in the presence of the king of Pharaoh. He was faithful to share his testimony. In today's message, Pastor Mike reads God's Word, saying that we need to seek the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. I'm pretty sure God doesn't mean we should go try and catch clouds or stars. What He means is to seek things that are glorifying to the kingdom of God, not things that are only glorifying to you or your friends or the people of the world. We need to seek things that bring glory to the name of God. As Christians, we represent God to other people. Let's make Him look good. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 47 as he continues his message, Jacob's Blessing. You see, there's no greater wealth than this. There's no greater good to be done for someone than to introduce them to Christ, that they might secure their eternal destiny, their salvation, and ultimately escape judgment and wrath. So instead of bowing objectively before Pharaoh, as many would under these circumstances, Jacob with hands and arms raised to the heavens, without any salutation. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say anything. He doesn't like bow down and, and say, thank you, Pharaoh, for this audience. There's no salutation whatsoever. There's no exchanges like this. The old man just pours out his soul in prayer, asking God to bless the king. You know, it has been suggested, and I can't ver ver verify or validate this, but it has been suggested that because of Joseph's, as well as his dad, Jacob's influence, secretly, Pharaoh had become a believer. But I don't know about that. But he certainly, and what might lend some credence to this belief, is surely Pharaoh is accepting here, isn't he? So uh, just something to consider. Now, with all of that said, Let's consider, and this brings us to our fourth point, Jacob's very instructive speech. 
And there's a couple of things that I want to draw your, your attention to in the way that Jacob, the content of what Jacob said in blessing Pharaoh. Very instructive speech. So a couple of things. The first of which is, go back to our text in verse 9. Notice he refers to life as a pilgrimage. Notice the word pilgrimage or pilgrim. It's recorded for us there in verse 9 twice. Now, this was an outlook that Abraham had. He just considered himself a pilgrim on a pilgrimage. And, of course, for uh, Jacob, this was very true. And you know a pilgrim is a traveler, a person with no present abode. And for Jacob, this was particularly true. Because as we've been following this man's footsteps, considering this man's life, over the last couple of months. But you know what? I think Jacob also had in mind here a spiritual application of this pilgrimage that he was on. Now, let's bring this down to personal terms. Uh, Jacob was also a follower of God, even as this morning we are followers of God. And thus, if you think about it, it would be correct to uh, conclude that we are also on a pilgrimage. For God's people, however much we may settle in here, whether you live in New Jersey or whether you live in one of the boroughs of New York, the truth of the matter is, as a Christian, this is not our true home. All of us as Christians are pilgrims until we reach heaven. And that must be our outlook. And I'll give you some of the reasons why in just a moment. But you know what? In the Hall of Faith chapter, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, in verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith. And, and those were all of the examples, all of the men uh, who preceded us, who walked with God, who served God, uh, that are members of the Hall of Faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, that are served up as examples for us to follow in their footsteps. Guys like Abraham, guys like David and 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 some of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He says, notice, Paul, who I believe is the writer of the book of Hebrews, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, the promises of the word, that which would have been recorded. They all died in faith. You know, think of what a, a uh, privileged group of people we are. Think about it. All they had was the scriptures. We've actually seen and know of the fulfillment of the scriptures. Christ is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament scriptures, all of the promises of the Old Testament scriptures. So these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them by faith, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. Verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. So where's our homeland? Where's your homeland? Oh, I want to buy that, you know, that condominium on the Upper East Side of, of Manhattan, or I want to you know, move to Jersey or, or whatever. And, but folks, that's not your homeland. Verse 15, and truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city 
for them. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with, you know, wanting, you know, a place to live, a roof over your head, a nice home, a nice condominium. There's nothing wrong with those things. God will provide those things in his perfect timing and stuff. But you know what? We have to hold those things ever so loosely. That's not our hope. Remember, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And, uh, and I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. So one day, the Lord's going to, you know, when the Lord comes back, he's going to, we're going to have that condominium. You know, we're going to have that place that we've all been uh, looking forward to. And uh, it's going to be a lot better than what we have now. You can be sure of that, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you something. I, I am amazed. I'm, re- I'm really into, I watch those crazy shows, you know, where, where they present uh, different real estate properties. You ever seen those shows? And like million dollar listings. Have you, ever, have you ever seen those shows? And I just watch it and I'm just so amazed that people have that kind of money, to be, you know, first of all. But um, it's just like so amazing to me. But you know what? Those things don't even hold the candle next to what God has prepared for those who love him. And then we have all of it. And the great thing about it is you're not going to have a mortgage payment. (laughs) You're not going to have to pay insurance on it or anything, you know. And uh, how cool is that? You know, this this uh, in the book of Revelation, just to give you an idea, I'm I'm kind of tripping here now. But (laughs) the new city of Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. That's depicted for us in Revelation chapter 20 or 21, I forget which. You know, I I did a study when I taught that book of the Bible many times over. And and as far as how many people will actually be able to occupy that city, which the, the walls are adorned with diamonds and jasper stones and, and sapphires and so on and so forth. The, the pavement is, is of gold, so refined that it's transparent. And, uh, but according to how many people will actually be able to enter into that city, I've projected that each person that lives there will be able to have a dwelling place the size of one square mile, which is the size of Hoboken, New Jersey, by the way. And the reason why I know that is because I was born in Hoboken. So think about that. All of you who are crowded into those apartments here in New York, right? And, uh, you know, there are five of you living in a, you know, a one-bedroom apartment. If you're lucky to find a one-bedroom apartment. And, uh, but could you imagine that? One square mile. Billions of people will actually be able to enter into. I, I think it was estimated at three billion people will actually be able to enter into that new city of Jerusalem. Considering the calculations, each one of those uh, people that are a part of the three billion population will be able to occupy one square mile. How crazy is that, right? So, man, we got a bright future ahead of us. So don't be all hung up with million-dollar properties, You know, my eyes go like this big when I see these things. Yeah, you know, I could see myself living in the, you know, uh, uh, in, in, uh, you know, West Hollywood and, you know, off of the Sunset Strip, you know, in in L.A. and or on the east side, the Upper East Side of Manhattan and, and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. I could see myself driving around in a Porsche, you know, looking really cool. And and uh, but that's listen, that's not what it's all about. Right. And our, our future is a lot brighter than that as uh, well. So this is not our true home. 
And notice here, Jacob draws that to Pharaoh's attention here in the way that he blessed, notice, Pharaoh. So again, I think Jacob had this in mind, the spiritual application for God's people, however much we may settle in here, this is not our true home. We're pilgrims until we reach our final destination, and that final destination is standing before God in heaven. And since this was Jacob's true hope, this was something that was ingrained within him. This was just a part of who he was, a part of his makeup, something that he knew. This is what he probably had in mind in this one great opportunity to stand before Pharaoh and witness to him. He was telling this earthly monarch who is living in such luxury and such splendor, this life is not the end, O king. There is an eternity to prepare for. And so not only does Jacob serve as a reminder to Pharaoh, but also to us as well this morning. You see, our lives are to be lived like pilgrims. We're just simply passing through. Our eyes should be set upon God's distant city, which, by the way, let me say, is no easy thing because we are tempted. We are enticed. We can be consumed by the things we see, the world's luxuries. Don't watch those programs, million-dollar properties. Don't be as stupid as I am. So what can we do? Well, to live like this, to get this victory, we must die. We have to die to ourselves, die to our flesh, and die to the world. You see, that's the way we need to approach this subject. I mean, only the man or woman who has renounced everything can live like this. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't want you know, a better life for ourselves or our children. We don't want a roof over our head. We don't want to get married, have children, raise a family. We don't want to better ourselves by you know, maybe getting an education, getting a better job, a better paying job. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't misunderstand. But only the man or woman who has renounced everything can live like this. Make sure you have your priorities in order. Make sure that God is at the top of your list. So don't get all caught up with what's the latest, what's the newest, what's the hippest. Remember this, we're simply passing through. But there's something else here in this blessing that Jacob offered unto Pharaoh. I want you to notice that his testimony was also to the shortness of life. In verse 9, notice the way he depicts his own life. He refers to it as the years were few and evil. Now, at this time, when he's standing before Pharaoh, he's 130 years old. He's not really getting around all that, that well. Remember, his sons uh, had to carry him um, into this meeting with uh, the king, uh, Pharaoh. So he's 130 years old. Uh, we know from what we're about to read as we continue on in our series that he lived an additional 17 years more. So all in all, he's what, 147 years when he finally is on his deathbed. And the reason why I mention that is because it has to do with another point, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But notice the way that he refers to life and life's experience and the days in which he lived, the years in which he lived. He says they are few and they were evil. 
In other words, they were not without its difficulties and its problems. And isn't that true of life, generally speaking? And just because we're Christians, we're not exempt from difficulties, trials, problems, right? So here, Jacob conveys a truth that Pharaoh needed to hear. What was that truth? A Pharaoh, life is short. Life is difficult. You know, and, and by the way, people lived a lot longer back then than they do today because of the environment, the, the atmosphere, the, you know, the things that we become involved with and, and in and, and uh, just a whole other culture. But, uh, but nevertheless, he considered the years that he lived short and few and full of difficulty. You know, in the 90th Psalm, the psalmist declares in verses 10 and 12, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. So, you know, you take care of yourself, and maybe you'll live 80 years, and, uh, or maybe longer than that. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. That was his estimation. It's all labor. I mean, think about our lives. It's just filled with labor. Where's the rest, right? And sorrow. People die. We get sick, struggles. It's so true. For it is soon cut off, and then we fly away. It's over. The brevity of life. And then in verse 12. So this is the conclusion the psalmist comes to. Considering life. He says, so teach us to number our day, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Good counsel, folks. You know, this might be a good prayer to pray regularly. And the shortness of our years should thus turn us from our own ways to Jesus, that we might find salvation. Think about it. Now's not the time to get all entrapped with the things of the world and the fascinations of the world. And, you know, and with all of the things that, you know, they're all entrapments, you know, social media and all of the crazy things that are going on and TV and, and periodicals that are written and magazines and, and people that we're holding up in high esteem and and that we think are worthy to emulate. Oh, be very, very careful. More than ever before, we need to make sure that we're preparing to meet God, that we're preparing to meet God, that we're putting everything into it. You know, Paul put it this way in the book of Colossians in chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. He said, seek those things which are above, not on the things which are upon the earth. That's really good counsel. Our focus needs to be on eternal things and not temporal things. Now, one final thing, and this one thing, at least in part, you know, you need to commend Jacob for his go-for-it kind of an attitude, right? He didn't shrink in the presence of the king, of Pharaoh. He was faithful to share his testimony. And it was basically a good testimony. But let me also add, it was not as outstanding as it could have been. You say, what am I talking about? Didn't Jacob let him have it? You know, both barrels? Well, yeah, but I think he held back a little bit. You say, how do I know that? Well, I think that if Jacob would have been walking with God just a little bit more closely than he had been, you know, I think his testimony would have been more powerful, would have had more of an impact, and more to the point. You say, how do we know that? Well, jump ahead to Genesis chapter 48 and verses 15 and 16. 
And let me, set you, let me set this up for you. Now it's some 17 years later. Remember, I told you that I would, you know, bring you to that place in Jacob's life. And God is going to take Jacob home. He's on his deathbed. And he's surrounded by his sons. And if you read on there, he goes right around the bed where all of his sons are standing. And he, he, simply, he sort of like prophesies over each and every one of them blessing his sons. But we're particularly interested in what is recorded for us in verses 15 and 16. Now put that testimony, Genesis 48 verses 15 and 16, alongside of the testimony that he shared with Pharaoh in comparison. And you tell me which of the two is the weakest. And I think you'll agree the testimony that he gave to Pharaoh. Because in verses 15 and 16, And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long as to this day. The angel, and I believe this is a reference to the angel that Jacob wrestled with. Remember the night before his encounter with his brother Esau, who had swore a vow that he was going to kill his brother Jacob as soon as his dad Isaac had died because he ripped him off of the patriarchal blessing. Remember that? Okay, one of our future studies. And, he, and that night he wrestled with an angel, remember? And he uh, reduced him to a crippled, right? And then he changed his name from uh, Jacob to Israel. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. But notice that, who has redeemed me from all evil. What a testimony. And so a pretty interesting contrast. You put both of these uh, patriarchal blessings alongside of one another. Verse 9, basically saying to Pharaoh, my years were just few and evil and difficult. But then here in chapter 48, he testifies, God has been my shepherd all of my life to this day. And the angel, Jesus, delivered me from all harm. Okay, so what do we take away from this? What do we learn from this? Well, listen, gang, don't wait until you're on your deathbed, some 70 or 80 years old, to give that kind of a testimony. Give it now. Tell everybody that you possibly can that God has been your shepherd, that Jesus has delivered you from all harm that he's been with you every step of the way. And he'll stick closer to you than a friend. That needs to be your testimony. And don't shrink from it. Every opportunity that you have, every open door that God presents to you, step through that and share your testimony about who God is and what God has done for you. In my Father's house There's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. Here at In My Father's House, we're going through the book of Genesis, where the story of the beginning is told. God made light and said that it's good. God made plants and trees and said that it's good. God made animals on land and in the sea, and he said that it's good. And then God made man, and he said that it is very good. 
Creation didn't stop at the end of the sixth day. Creating is an inherent part of who God is and what He does. Look around you. What do you see? New plants, new trees, new animals, each one unique in how it grows. And God is still saying it is good. God is in the business of creating new people out of old ones, undoing the inherent brokenness. When you were born again, a new creation, God looked at you and said that you are very good. He has made you new and restored you to the place you were designed to fill. You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Venizio. This is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. We'd love to see you here. You can find all the information you need, including service times, on our website, harvestnyc.org. That's harvestnyc.org. If you're listening outside of Manhattan, we'd love to know that, too. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. We hope you'll come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house.